Hey everyone, I'm Amy Swift Crosby and I'm a copywriter. And I'm Hillary Laffer. I own a creative agency. We're the Brandsmiths. As brand strategists, we've spent our careers working with big brands, small brands, personality brands, cult brands, helping them be true to their mission. We love doing it so much that we started a podcast because really there are a ton of great shows unpacking how people made it but not a lot that pull back the curtain. Right, to help them with the challenges they're facing now. Our conversations aren't interviews, they're work sessions, because we're working. Each week, we roll up our sleeves with a different business owner or founder to help them think in ways that allow their brand to support their business. Because branding isn't logos or marketing or empire building. It's the thinking that informs everything you see and feel about a business or even a person. The work sessions are unfiltered, unscripted, and all in real time. So our hope is that you learn stuff and that this isn't the podcast you use to fall asleep. So that's The Brandsmiths. Let's get to the show. This week, Aline Kalach, the co-founder of Tubi, a nonprofit that supports emerging artists in Miami. But first, what's up with you, Hill? I remember the place Kai's you told me about? Okay. Yes, the wrap place. Last night, I did a whole order there and really nice guys delivering the order. He said, I'm sorry, there was, a, there was a problem when I got there with the order. So they had to make it really quickly. So I'm just sorry. I said, oh, you know, don't worry about it. I kind of didn't even know it was late. I noticed the vegan brownies were not in the order. And That's like, a crisis. Pick up the phone, somebody answers. And I wasn't pissed. I was more like, I, I heard there was sort of an issue. I said, you know, I'm not trying to necessarily get the financial credit, but I really wanted those brownies. And she goes, what can I do? She goes, this other situation happened. I remade your order and it was my mistake. And I just said, that's you know, amazing. That's, that's love for life. Right. I said, thank you so much. I said, maybe the next time I'm over there, just like put a note in the register that if someone named Hillary comes in, give her those two vegan brownies. I loved that. Um, accountability. accountability. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a going to the next level. So in my youth, <laughs> when I first lived in LA, I was offered a job for at Warner Brothers. I, I didn't take it because I knew I was going to move to New York to be with a dude, not my husband, previous dude. So I had some downtime before I moved and I started working at a flower shop in Brentwood called The Woods. So it was Valentine's Day and I picked up the phone and there was a very low voice full of panic about placing an order for, I think it was like two dozen roses. And it wasn't going to get to the person until late that night. And he had to have it delivered between a certain, a very specific timing. And he had not said his name yet. And I said, it's not going to work like that. Like, there's just no way you're going to, that's going to happen. It's a win. It's a window of time. It's like four hours or something. So I offered to do it myself to drive the flowers there myself, because it was when I was getting off, I could just do it on my way home. It wasn't that far from where I lived and I was happy to do it. He was like, oh my God, really? I said, yep, happy to. So he gave me his credit card and this was not long after Swingers had come out and it was <laughs> John Favreau. So processed the order, got the flowers, drove it to the apartment. The woman opens the door and she's in scrubs. So I figured it out. She is either a medical professional or plays one on TV and had a very slim window during which she could receive the Valentine's Day gift. So how does that have anything to do with 
because the Kai's gal could have gotten in her car and drove the brownies to your house. That's true. Okay. I didn't. That's what I, Amy Swift did. Of course you did. That's <laughs> Amy Swift. That's the Amy Swift brand. And it is. And I like that I did it before I knew who it was. So John Favreau, if you're out there listening, and I'm sure you are a listener, duh. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> okay. So today we're talking to the co-founder of a nonprofit out of Miami, Aline Kalach. Like most nonprofits, 2B is mission-driven. They're in the business of helping artists, quote, push the limits of what art could be through education, practice, and connection to the community. But like so many organizations, when it comes to their mission statement, this one is lofty and it's noble, but it's unclear. The exhibitions, workshops, and projects they're producing focus on essential themes, race, climate change, personal responsibility. These are important and relevant topics right now. One project features an artist who has constructed an actual maze in Miami to explore ideas around the journey of how things we use every day ultimately just arrive at our doorsteps. 2B offers a residency program, community engagement events, workshops, but for all their efforts, they're struggling with how to talk about what they do. Let's get to our work session with 2B. Hi, Elaine. Hi, how are you? We're good. good. Thank you for having me. So excited. So in your own words, what would you say your question for us is? I really feel like first, it's important to say that I'm a native Spanish speaker. So starting with that, my mind doesn't think in English. It thinks in Spanish. I think that's important to say. Second, I do believe we have so much to say and so many different people to say it too that it's hard to communicate what we're trying to say in a very short period of time. Because as you know, the, the attention span of people every day is shorter. So for us to be able to, to have a strong mission and for people to understand our vision and what we're doing and how we're helping and how we're supporting, we have just a couple seconds. So we get lost between translation and what we're trying to say and trying to say so much, but then so little that that's basically my question. How do you say what you want to say, but from the heart, because it's more than just words. How do you convey that feeling and, and that emotion into a couple of sentences in a language that's not yours? I think that would be <laughs> I mean, just, just that. that. Just that. <laughs> Hills, I think it's helpful to lay the groundwork. And I think you do a good job always with this, with what is a mission statement supposed to do? Because Aline, even though you didn't call us with what is our mission statement, because your organization is mission-driven, it would inform all of your other messaging points. So it feels like a good place for us to spend a little bit of time. We think of a mission as if money were no object, and even though this is a nonprofit, but if we took money off the table, what are you doing? Because mission helps any organization make decisions. It's a tool. It's a filter. It's a compass. Okay. So when we talk about pushing the limits of what art could be through education, practice, and connection to the community, is that your mission statement? The reality is we want to help this emerging creators or an artist 
uh, be seen. We want to give them the tools so they can push themselves to be seen in a different perspective or in a different matter. Most of these artists are, I don't, I don't like the word marginalized. It's not my favorite word. I, I feel like it sounds uh, not, not adequate, but the idea is that, you know, these artists tend to belong to minorities and from other groups. So exactly. I don't even know is pushing the limits of art says everything that we are really wanting to say. So is it visibility? Is yes. it connection to audiences that they not, may not be connected to? Correct. Is it financial support so they can not right. feel the stress of everyday expenses and be able to clear the, those sort of things off their plate and focus on art? Yes. The reason I'm asking some of these questions yes. is that we wouldn't literally think of those as your mission, but it paints a picture of what each audience may want to hear from you. So what else are you doing for artists? We're also helping them with workshops. We give them workshops so when they start making money, they know what to do with that money. Like legal support, we don't give them legal support, of course, because we're not an attorney, but we support and understand you know, the contracts and help them read and understand what they're getting themselves into. And, and I think one thing it's important to say is that in English, it doesn't sound, but we want live artists to eat. You know, we want artists to be able to sell and be able to live from their work. That's, that's basically. So let me say that if we could just refine something around this, then we could have a working mission statement for this conversation. So what I took from you, Aline, was to give artists a spotlight and the supportive tools to continue their artistic work. Yes. So we might say, um, rather than marginalized artists, we might say less visible. I love less visible. So one thing that I noticed, Aline, about the artist's work and the type of artists that you're exploring is you're both doing the same thing. Artists are bringing something unseen into the visible world. You are doing the same thing with artists. You are bringing unseen work and unseen people into the light. So you actually share a mission. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, if I were to turn that into copy, it would be, you know, making the invisible scene. I wonder I like if the word scene, sorry. I do scene like is such scene. a nice word. I, I want to do a litmus test on that because the other dimension is Spanish to English. Is there a way that you're thinking in Spanish to express that so that it feels authentic to you and it isn't just words on a page? I, I think that when you speak in Spanish and when you speak in English, words don't have the same meaning. And when you say it in Spanish, you know, artists are not being seen or no son vistos. It doesn't sound like seen from inside. It's, it's like, oh, I haven't seen you. You know, it's that type of scene. So I don't, I don't think it, it's the same feeling behind the words, but I do feel that in English, the concept of visibility and being seen speaks more to what we're trying to shine light on. So it makes like more sense. But could it be, a ver el mundo invisible, comma, visible? It sounds very poetic. 
and I yes. love it. I feel like if you say, look, the, the unseen scene, it sounds great, but I don't know if I'm being clear with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> there's a difference between your, your mission statement, which is your filter. It's kind of your backbone for how you are communicating lots of other things. It's the filter for how you're deciding on artists, how you're deciding to produce an exhibition, because if it is about bringing the unseen into the light, you would put all decisions through that idea matrix. It doesn't look like you're doing anything bilingual on the site, but if you needed it to have a home inside you of what the mission is trying to do, then in Spanish, at least you could settle into the right vocabulary for when you want to communicate that in Spanish in a way that's more prosaic. I'm not saying that you would have to go with that copy. I just wanted to set you down a road in Spanish that could nurture other ideas in that vein. I really like that. I just wanna, I don't wanna be confusing, even if we're opening different places and that's the idea in the future now, it will always be an American nonprofit. So I feel that it's important I just think it's clearer to just speak one language because the artists that we have now also, not all of them are either Spanish or English speakers. Okay, that's critical information. That tells me that it should be in English, but there should be opportunities to be intentional about where you do have Spanish on the site. I think where you insert Spanish is in places where you have already said something similar that's not a direct translation, but that breaks up a message in some way or that pays off a message where if you are an English speaker who doesn't speak Spanish, that you won't, nothing will be lost on you. You haven't missed a key message, but if you speak Spanish, you will get the gist of something that can only be said in Spanish in a certain way. The site isn't bilingual. It's selectively highlighting messages with a certain poetry or essential description that doesn't take anything away from English speakers, but is additive and textural for a Spanish speaker. Maybe the pressure will be taken off to express the idea in Spanish if it comes as a quote from the founder, or if it comes as a quote from someone who does speak Spanish about the organization. Exactly. You won't feel this angst, Aline, because right now there's a certain amount of torture inside you and conflict because the most natural habitat for you is in Spanish. And it it is a language that has far more words for like love, for instance, than English. It just does. So you feel more free and more agile. I love it. And I feel like there's also a play, as you were saying that, of light and dark, Definitely. You know, the light and shadow. I like the idea of shadow because dark has certain baggage, but shadow feels like what it is. Shadow feels like when something isn't quite marginalized, but it's not getting the sun, the light, the nutrients. It's in the shadow. Think of how much beauty is found in shadows. I mean, think of photography and illustration and drawing. I mean, that perspective. There's so much metaphor in what you're doing here. I, re- I really, I really like the concepts because I do think that 
words, like we were saying, have a lot of connotation just by reading the word. You know, you feel of darkest and you feel about the dark side and it's like, no, it's like the dark side. <laughs> you know, shadow reminds me of Peter Pan, you know, and his shadow. He plays with the shadow, you know? It's not that he's running away from the shadow. And I think that's that's a very nice way of putting it. Could we move on to talking about the name for a second? Tell us about the origins of yeah, the name the, to be. To be means what? Ser. Ser, to be. So in Spanish, there's two forms of to be. Estar, the verb means something that changes in its essence, whereas ser is a permanence, something that you are. Yes. So to be is, is literally to be, to become, to, to exist. So what I wanted to address was right now, your URL, your website is to be nonprofit, which is fine. It's great. But is the name of the organization to be nonprofit or is it just to be? No, it's to be nonprofit. That's why I wanted it to just maybe keep the to be. But you, you were thinking about maybe just putting like to become or to exist or something like that? Not or? even. I, I would like to separate nonprofit from the identity and from the name because you are a nonprofit, but the name, when you say to be nonprofit, you're diluting the power of to be and what that means, even visually, a two and a B, there's a lot of symmetry and interesting ways to play with that from a graphic perspective. One of the things I happen to love, and we actually talked about it on the show, the LA 2028 Olympics have a logo that's dynamic. And what if the two B could be, do you remember the MTV days where the MTV logo um, was always changing. Like I, I do, child of the 80s. Yes. I love MTV, it's my thing. <laughs> so what if the 2B could become a container so that the logo itself is artist's interpretation of 2B? Mm, I love this idea. Because then it's, it's dynamic. It's a reason for people to go back. It's creative expression. And it's bringing visibility without being literal. It's interesting to tap artists to interpret to be, especially once they know what SARE means to the organization and what you're empowering them to be, to become. Now you're embracing the DNA, the origin of this entire idea into an identity, a logo that embodies the actual mission of the organization. So the 2B at the website would change, like the MTV thing that you said, they changed the color and like that, but we would keep like the font. Nope. Just play around with it, like free, like creative. It, Aline, it doesn't mean that you wouldn't have your standard uh, 2B that's on your stationery, on your signature. You know, you could have your your brand identity that, that doesn't change, but on the site, on Instagram, it's a new thing to reveal. It's working with a new artist. It's, you know, wait until August when you see what so-and-so did with 2B so that it's an ongoing idea that they're not just taking a stab at your identity with their particular artistic interpretation, but because 2B means to be, Sarah. They have a deeper connection with what it means to be for them. 
And they're laying that on to be literally your logo. I love it. Now, one question. Would you stick to the colors of the website or you would just just be open and completely just play around with it? Totally mess with it, scale with it. It's active. It's active. So does that idea feel like it has some potential for you? Well, you want me with the MTV thing. So for me, yeah, <laughs> okay. no, it just didn't take long, you know, <laughs> to think about it. I do love the idea. Just you don't, in a formal sense, you don't think it minimizes our work. Sometimes, you know, you have to give the client what they need. And I don't want to come across as, you know, like something that we're not. The reason it's so interesting is that quite literally in your name and the expression of it, you are allowing the artist to be seen in your identity. That is as mission driven as it gets. Yeah. You're stepping I, out of the way and letting them in. Yeah, you're right. You're giving them center stage. That's right. What we want. Here's one, one guardrail that I would give you. Let them know if it's a capital B or a lowercase b. That would actually create confusion. And so I'd rather have there be some continuity around that. When you decide if it's a capital B or lowercase, come with some rationale for that. For me, it should be lowercase. Interesting. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. The lowercase B, it's like the young B that's going to grow into the older B. So I feel that this coming, you know, coming up and emerging so it has to be a lowercase b to turn into a uppercase b. So capture that criteria because and what an artist will do with that idea in terms of the b becoming something else will be very interesting. Everything we've been talking about now, Amy and I think that it's aligned with your mission, but I also want to make sure that it's aligned with these other audiences. I love the idea. Like I love changing it. I love playing around with it. I, I, I would eliminate the word, but maybe I wouldn't play with the whole thing on the website. Not a lot of people end up in the website. So the people who will end up in the website, I think are the patrons and the ones that want a little bit more of a formal display. Maybe if that's the word, I don't know if that's the word we want to use. You tell me what you think. I'm not sure that patrons want a formal experience as much as they want an experience. They want to be brought into a world that they're not in. That is the pull of art, being in a more dynamic container than the world that they're living in. And that is why we're drawn to art, whether it's chaotic or pacifying or provocative. It's a different universe than what we're living in. So the site can still have more formal language if that's what's right for you. It can be an architectural display of beauty and still have this more spontaneous, whimsical element of artistic playfulness in the logo. And whereas Spanish, you were talking about the feeling, the emotion. I want to reflect that back to you, partners and patrons who are looking to be absorbed in the art what this logo could do if it was changing would communicate that feeling, communicate that emotion to that audience, and that may engage them. These patrons are likely looking at a lot of different organizations to partner with or to Support. provide support. 
the more dynamic and the more expressive of your mission to be is, to me, the one that's more dynamic is going to resonate more so than one that you may think is kind of buttoned up as a nonprofit. You don't have to put on your button down to go see a patron because they're giving you $100,000. You need to be yourself because that's what they're buying. Sometimes you do have to wear a button down to go to an interview, you know, and sometimes you don't. So I, I, I feel like that's the route that we needed to take, but I love that you're saying it's not because then I'm going to be able to be more myself in everything that I'm trying to do. So that's the part where I love it. I love the idea. Just the last thing I want to tackle quickly. I don't want to spend a ton of time, but when perusing the site and reading about the exhibitions and artists, I think what's going on is there's a difficulty in, in expressing exactly what we're looking at or what the project was about in a very clear, digestible language. This often happens in art because it's a hard thing to talk about, especially when an artist isn't specific themselves about what they're being provocative and saying, well, what do you think it is? You know, But still, nobody wants to feel intimidated or sort of like, am I the only one not getting what this is about? I sort of get it, but maybe I'm not getting it. So I'm not suggesting you spell it out exactly, but that there might be a format to how you approach messaging on each project or artist. First, a statement from the artist. And then we were interested in this exhibit because it explores the theme of da-da-da-da-da. Right now, it's just, it's so high-minded. It's hard to know what are you talking about exactly. So in an effort to bring something in the shadows into the light, I just want you to look at the language and find a way to say what you want to say in an easier, more accessible set of words. And, and I completely agree. You know, I don't want to make anybody feel dumb. You know, sometimes you don't understand what you're seeing. And, and it's like, that's not the point. You know, we, we want to create connection, not disconnect. So we don't want to alienate people on the website by not giving them enough of an understanding that they can connect to. Correct. But, you know, Amy and I always talk about this with clients and with guests on the show, be realistic and practical so that you're not setting up a format where you're having to write a ton of copy or a ton of messaging. It should just be enough to provide that understanding that they're looking for. So we covered a lot in a short amount of time. <laughs> it was great. Thank you so much. I got so much. I, I, I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be fun to follow up in a few months and do a circle back with you and see how things are going and also how your co-founders um, think of the, the council we came up with together. <laughs> I'm sure they will be very excited like I am. Thanks, Celine. Hasta luego. Exacto. Adios. Hasta luego. Nos vemos. Adios. Thank you. What a delight. And the the idea that we were just throwing stuff and she was processing in Spanish and turning around. I love that idea about the logo. This is what's so great about not having any preconceived ideas and letting the mission or the personality, you know, you never know where these cues are going to come from for an identity. And when you do that exercise first, you end up with a mark or colors or something that really expresses 
who you are, as opposed to Facebook has a logo like that. Let's just use that typeface. <laughs> right. There's no connection to the DNA. It's so funny because a lot of people think of brand strategy is a limitation of what you can't do anymore. It's rigid. It hampers the creative expression of a thing. It is the opposite. It gives you the container through which to be more of who you are, more creative, much more dynamism in the way you express your brand. I feel like she's armed with some really good tools now to go forward and to make the important work that they're doing much more powerful in real time. Ser. Uh, ser. This is so good. So that's it for us today. I hope you got some good takeaways from our chat. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, hit us up at hello at thebrandsmithspod.com. And if you like what you hear, could you please review and subscribe? That makes all the difference to us and our ability to keep doing this. We're also on Instagram at thebrandsmithspod, where you can see our guests and find out more about what's coming up on the show. You can also ask Alexa or Siri or whomever is in your device, find me, The Brandsmith Podcast. Thanks to our producer, Carl T. Wright, with music by Daryl Smith and Carl Burnett. I'm Hillary. I'm Amy. See you next time.